Jesus, which is God in the flesh, um, we see Jesus being angry and frustrated often, sometimes to the point of turning over tables. We see Jesus feeling compassion. And there's a passage um, in Luke that says, Jesus went forth and saw a great multitude of people sick, and he moved with compassion, then he heals them. He acts out of his feelings. We see Jesus weeping and grieving when he finds out that Lazarus has died. Lazarus is a good friend of his. And even though Jesus knows that he's going to resurrect him very shortly, he's been dead three days, and Jesus feels that grief. And so God clearly in the Bible is depicted as having feelings and emotions. And the reality is for, for many of us, I know it is for me, that the way that I was raised, my family of origin, how I'm embodied as an Asian American woman, how the systems of the world impact me, I'm not so great at owning or feeling or even knowing what my own emotions are. But if we're created in God's image, then if we aren't able to be in touch with our own feelings and our own emotions that God created us uniquely with, then we're missing a whole part of what it means to follow Jesus. And so today we start moving into that. What does it mean to really sit with our own emotions, to name them, um, to, to wrestle with them? Because the reality of living in a sinful and broken world is that they are distorted to a certain degree, but they were created to be good. So we sit here and we think about what does it mean to love God and to love our neighbor? It means we have to love our neighbor as ourselves and we have to love God. And so if we don't know ourselves and know what God is doing in us, know how the emotions and our bodies are responding because God made our bodies, God made our emotions, then we can't really fully follow God. And so we here at New Community Covenant Church talked often about what does it mean to fully um, be reconciled and reconciling people that seek God's justice and God's shalom for, for the whole world, right? To right, to make things um, the way God intended it. That's why we stand up and we protest police brutality. That's why um, we we create restorative spaces through NCO, right? That's why we, we care about what it means to be a, a multicultural, multiracial body. But if we're not in and of ourselves figuring out what does it mean for me um, to be a person the way that God intended, fully embodied my own emotions and dealing with our family of origins and the ways that things have impacted us negatively, then we can't fully sustainably really go out and, and participate in God's kingdom either because we're going to burn out because things are going to affect us in ways that we're not even knowing they're affecting us. Um, so today we just start trying to walk into that and intentionally live into that reality, um, that we're seeking shalom and God's intended reality in us as much as we are outside of us and for the world that God created. So without further ado, I'd like to invite um, our panelists to come up. Um, our panelists are all mental health professionals that will introduce themselves in a moment um, and be talking about the connections that they've um, lived into um, between emotional health and, and following God. So let's welcome them. All right. Well, I'm going to give our panelists a second to introduce themselves. So I would like each of you, um, feel free to keep your masks on or off, depending on what, how you're comfortable. But if you can introduce yourself, how long you've been at New Community, um, and what you do professionally, and maybe just a little bit about how, how you got there. So whoever wants to jump in, feel free. I'll, st I'll start. Okay. Well, 
Um, my name is Roshana Jackson, and um, I've been at New Community now, I think it's been six years. Um, and I am a licensed marriage and family therapist, and I've been doing that. I've been licensed for about 12 years now. Um, what got me into the profession uh, really is being told uh, growing up, you're such a good listener. Oh, that makes sense. Oh, wow, look at how you think about that. And um, really loving studying psychology is how I got into it. And so um, it's been a long road. I'm still learning a lot, but that's how I'm here. I'm Anastasia, or Anna for short. Um, and so I am a couples and family therapist, and um, I've been practicing now for about five years. And what got me into it was growing up, seeing my parents and their relationship and the brokenness of it all. I think I knew I wanted to be a part of the change and, and the hope, especially for black American families. So, yeah. Oh. I'm Dennis, and I am a behavioral health provider and director at Lawndale Christian Health Center. And I've been here at um, New Community for about 10 years and got into counseling very similarly um, to Roshana because uh, kind of throughout my life, being told that I'm a good listener and I should consider being a counselor. And um, when I got, so when I got into college, I studied psychology and I've just kind of been on this track since then. Cool, thank you all. So let's start kind of from, from Scripture. What does it mean to you that we worship a God who feels and has emotions and that we're created in God's image in the same way? Um, I can start. Um, I, I think because we serve a, and worship a God who has emotions and is emotional, um, the second verse that Valerie read is true. That's not true of most religions. And honestly, we don't even act like it's true. Um, we serve a God who values emotions over behaviors, over even over obedience. When he talks about obedience, um, he says, if you love me, be obedient to me. Versus kind of the fake it till you'll make it. Um, kind of mentality that we live with um, because he understands that our emotions are going to be the fuel for our behaviors. Our love for God is the fuel for our obedience to him versus it being the other way around. And so um, we also have to live like that. We have to live like our feelings, our emotions are important. We have to live like... Um, our love for God, our love for one another is, is more important. And we have to wrestle with the idea that we don't always agree with that. We don't always agree that the things we can't see in ourselves and one another are the most important. We are often um, challenged by focusing on the things that we can perceive with our eyes, ears, um, things we can feel um, and, and touch um, versus seeing the importance of the things that only God knows or the things that are only, des that are only discernible by the Spirit. Um, and so that's, that's what that means for me, at least. I think for me, um, 
I think about like the scripture that you mentioned too, um, loving God with all of your heart and how in biblical Hebrew, heart included your thoughts, included everything. Um, and so, oh yeah. <laughs> um, and so I think um, when I think about that, emotions are part of that and that's how it, emotions play a role in the choices that we make and the way that we understand the world. And so to kind of shut those off then keeps us from, one, being able to love God with all of our heart, um, but also keeps us from fully being able to understand why we make the choices that we make um, or why we understand the world in the way that we are understanding it. I, um, I echo what, what, what you both said, and I would, I would just add that that's not a simple process at all. And I think um, we as human beings try to see things and understand things very simplistically, but God is very complex, and we're made in his image, and we can't get there without some challenge to how complex it is and I think we need to pursue an understanding of ourselves that isn't a simplistic understanding. And I think we get caught up and we try to do that and say, oh, well, I'm just this way, or I'm just that way, or that's just the way it is. And, and life isn't simple like that, and I don't think God intended for us to have a simple relationship with him. Um, and if we're going to pursue a relationship with him, as he's pursued with us, then we're going to have to be able to, I think, understand this complexity that we're made in his image with emotions, with challenges, with this wrestling. And if we're not in touch with those emotions, we'll just sort of dismiss what's right in front of us for him to uh, reach us, I think. Yeah, I think that's a part of why that second part of the great commandment is so important or the second greatest commandment is important loving our neighbors as ourselves is often about acknowledging the complexity in others acknowledging that someone can have a backstory or trauma that's motivating their actions whether or not those actions benefit or harm us and helping us to say okay just like i'm hurting just like i you know am sometimes happy sometimes sad the, all the things that are true of us are also true of others, and it helps us to, to be more empathetic and be more loving when we acknowledge the complexity in others. Yeah, like you all have been saying, our lives are very complex, and when we follow a complex God, we shouldn't shy away from the complexity that's in our lives. So we all come from different backgrounds. Um, what, what, is it, what has your experience of emotions and faith been, and how they've been integrated or not? Um, and, and how have you witnessed or seen those, those connections between following Jesus and emotions? <laughs> how have you experienced uh, the connections between following Jesus and emotions from, from your vantage point? I'll, I'll go. Um, I, I think before I even, I knew who Jesus was, um, I came to Christ as an adult. I was 33 years old. I saw things pretty simplistically. And um, I didn't understand myself in a lot of ways. I still had a lot of growing to do. Lived uh, very sh sort of sheltered growing up and didn't understand the motivations behind 
why people thought the way they did, what they believed, what they did. Um, that might also probably an attraction to the field of psychology. Um, but as I got to know Jesus and being stirred that that's the truth and really understanding pers- you know, the pursuit of why this, why this is true, why does this matter, the more I got to know who Jesus is and as he's revealed even in the, in the, in the Old Testament why all these things happen, I, I just felt um, drawn to, there were, there were just so many opportunities for me to understand what, what is happening for me why is this important to me? How does this that I you know how how does this play out in my life? Um, not understanding what it meant to be a sinner, then what does God mean for me to be a sinner? And I can't do that without interrogating my own soul, my own mind, my my emotions. I think um, for me, so I grew up. Um, in a black American household with an Afro-Caribbean mom. And so emotions were something that were not spoken of unless I was angry. That was okay. Um, And happiness was okay. And so I think um, for me, coming into contact with um, God, when I was probably, I think there was always a piece of me that wanted to know God more fully, um, and I think as I became a young adult, um, I was able to experience a God who wanted to um, fully know me and be fully known by me, and I think that in that has been a long process of unpacking all of those messages of, um, you know, um, hide your emotions, be strong, um, don't let people see you cry. Um, and I think being able to do that first in um, just in a, a beautiful space of, of God and I is what has, I think, allowed it to be, I think it's allowed me to experience the richness of also being able to do that in community as well. Um, yeah. Um, very similarly, um, my mother, out of the blue, called me one day, and she's like, Dennis, I really need to apologize. And, and I was like, okay, what's going on? Um, and she said, you know, back when you were a baby, and I'm like, dang it, Mom, I have things to do. <laughs> but she's like, <laughs> she's like, back when you were a baby, um, there would be times when you would be in the playpen, but like, and I could see in your eyes you didn't want to be there, but you would never cry. And I had so much going on with your brothers, and so like, I would just leave you in there because I knew that like, you wouldn't put up a fuss. And it reminded me or of how I live my life. Um, and it challenged me to understand, like, when in the world did I learn this message <laughs> that <laughs> even when you're upset, you don't cry? Um, and I went through most of my life unable to express emotions other than joy and feeling like um, probably that I was more of an introvert just because performing joy, performing happiness for people took so much energy. Um, And so um, going through your life that way and realizing that you, that worshiping in spirit and in truth meant worshiping with the full knowledge and the full honesty of 
every part of you, including those things that are not joy, that are not pleasant, that are not peaceful, um, like that becomes the challenge and that becomes um, affirming because it's the notion that God wants to see all of you and me having to give him all of me, even those things that I don't feel comfortable exploring and explaining to myself. And so that's where I, where I find um, both the, the joy and the, the challenge of, of being in this relationship with God, of being fully present to myself and all of my emotions, and then being able to give them to God and trust that he, in a way that I don't trust other people to do, will still accept me through all of those things. How did the faith communities that you grew up in impact your, um, your view of emotions and faith or the connection or the disconnection between emotion and faith? I can start. <laughs> I have lots of thoughts on this. Um, I think, well, so growing up, I grew up um, in the black church, and I think in that I got to see a beautiful expression of emotion during worship, um, you know, and... And that was maybe, you know, where it stopped. And then in um, a lot of my young adult years, I, you know, was part of um, a church where white culture was the norm. And so it sort of reaffirmed the um, lack of emotional expression. And so um, did that answer <laughs> the question? It's funny, I've been having conversations at work about this as well, but there is almost this intention, it's not almost, it's intentional divorce of the body, the soul, the mind, and the spirit. And that's reinforced in so many different ways or has been reinforced in so many different ways in the churches I've attended and the Christian communities I've been in where there has been this um, focus on what can be known um, often because like the, the saying that knowledge is power is true and there's a sense in which we like to know so that we can exert control and experience safety. And there is a sense that your emotions are, are unsafe or unholy and same with your body. And so um, that's, been, that's been my experience. I didn't grow up in, I grew up in a faith community that was Islam, and honestly, I don't really remember the impact, except temperamentally, I was a pretty quiet and observant person. I just don't remember a connection very much with emotions in that community. Um, and, and in my own household, like a lot, a lot of people, um, just the more extreme emotions are generally what propel behavior. You know, <laughs> if you really, if you get a look or <laughs> there's, it seems like there was aggression behind some motivating factor to get you to do what you were doing or of course, and, and also I think celebration was, was hard. I, I, don't, I don't recall a lot of joy being expressed um, so it felt like it was somewhat restricted. Um, and I don't know if that was a reflection of the faith community or just my own family in that community. Thank you all. So sort of on the flip side, what, does, what is missing from our faith? 
um, when we're unable to fully live into the fact that God created us with emotions and that God has emotions. Um, and maybe in a related way, what's been challenging for you as you've come from the places you've come and tried to integrate um, emotions into what it means to be a Christian or to follow God? I think what's missing is the truth. Um, you can't love someone that you don't know all of. You can't truly love them because you don't truly know them. And so there's a, a piece of our community that's missing when people can't be themselves. And also, I think there's a connection to the wholeness of God. I mean, God's not just emotional. Like, he calls himself love, which is an emotion at the end of the day. And so we're serving a God who is an emotion. And so if we can't fully inhabit that in our lives and within faith community, then we're missing a connection to a significant part of God's identity, um, one that we're called to embody fully. Um, so we have to be able to, be, to express not just the actions associated with love, um, but the the emotion that's intended to make that easier. And I think we burn out so easily because we're performing actions, we're performing holiness without the emotions that are intended by God to fuel those things and make our burdens light. <laughs> so, yeah. I think um, for me, the most challenging piece about integrating it into my faith has been not having, not placing judgment on my emotions and viewing things as um, bad or, you know, like this emotion is negative um, versus positive. And I think that as well as allowing myself to sit in the discomfort of leaning into what I'm feeling um, is a continuous area of growth for me. Um, I think it'll be a lifelong journey. Um, and, I, and I do think that um, in terms of the other piece of what's missing is, um, is wholeness. Um, and I think getting to, one, be whole within like ourselves, within myself, and being able to then be be true, true to myself, or, um, and I think um, wholeness within, like, loving community as well. I would, I would say what's missing, um, uh, it would be both individually as well as, and I mean, in, in the general, as individuals as well as in a congregation, what could be missing is, is openness. Um, there seems to be a some goal uh, to have conformity. And I think that goes to what Dennis is talking about in terms of performance. It's like we, we show up in ways that people expect us to show up and, it, and because they're not necessarily open or we're not preparing ourselves to be open to what, um, what is going on outside of the expectation. And um, it, it just, I think it's a largely a societal thing that we're on pace to to get to the next thing, to do this, to check this box. And so there's not openness, there's not patience um, 
for whatever expression that we as individuals bring. There's not this slowing down and focusing on emotionally where we're where we are. It's like we we have to stay on track and that's sort of a rigidity that doesn't allow us some openness to grow and to think and to just sit with what we're experiencing, what we're feeling. Even as I'm saying this now, there are reactions to this and there's no time to really to explore that. And so um, I think that's probably missing in a lot of places um, that where, where humans just go to progress. Life um, is, is pretty complicated, but we don't take time to really understand and explore that. And that's a message to shut down what's really real, what's really true in a moment. Oh, I was just, that made me think of embodied worship and how it then makes it sort of really impossible to engage in embodied worship when we're constantly in a disembodied state. Um, yeah. Um, in terms of the second question, the, the challenges, I think uh, psychology ends up being both a really good and really bad um, field for me to be in because it is a place where, um, as a therapist, I'm challenged to be, um, in some senses, a blank slate. And I'm challenged to be fully present to the other person to the exclusion of myself in some ways. And so there's a lot of comfort in that for me since I am not good at being in touch with my own emotions. Um, but at the same time, being a good therapist does mean expressing empathy and being able to experience things through the lens of the other person and to fully inhabit their emotions in a way that allows me to be um, to pray more effectively, to be a vessel for God healing, God's healing in their lives. And so I'm, I'm able to see people experiencing and expressing their emotions and seeing them model being vulnerable in a way that I'm not good at. And so it's good for me to, to see other people being able to do that and know that it's possible, even though for me it often feels impossible. So as we think more um, about what it means to try to fully slow down and live in the complexity and live in what God is doing right now in our own emotions, um, how have you experienced either your own faith or maybe in your practice professionally, how have you seen when people are fully able to sit and live and lean into their own emotions, um, how that um, more fully makes them alive, either as a follower of Christ or, or just as a human being? Um, I think in my practice, seeing it, I think, so, I, you know, I work with couples and individuals, and so um, in the individuals in my practice, seeing that um, slowing down has allowed for a lot of deep healing work um, and being able to um, really acknowledge uh, and make space for childhood wounds that were never addressed, and that in, in doing that, um, there's connection that you know that they experience within their within their communities and um, and I think um, I think with couples there's there's all of that as well as a um, a greater ability to then 
hold space for each other's emotions, lending itself to deeper intimacy. And so I think those are the ways that I see it in practice. And I think for myself, I don't know if you're familiar with the Enneagram, but I'm in Enneagram 3, which you know, I have mixed emotions about, and basically, um, yeah, the whole achieving nonstop. Um, and so for me, I started a few years ago practicing Sabbath, and um, that has done wonders for me, like the slowing down. And sometimes I don't want to do that because I know that there's a lot that I've been, you know, trying not to address during the week. But um, but it has allowed for a greater fullness, I think, in my own experience. Yeah, I would, oh, sorry. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. I, would say, I, I would say the same thing. It's like when I'm going too fast in my life or I've got too many things to do where I can't take some time out to talk to God about it, I'm going to be out of balance. I just know I'm going to be out of balance. And... Um, if and you know, and what's the point of going forward without having that conversation with God, who could be putting whatever I'm searching for right in front of me? But if I'm not slowing down to pay attention to what I'm experiencing and what God has to say, or open to people in my life who can speak into my life from from a godly place, then you know, what am I? I feel like I'm spinning my wheels. Um, I don't know if this answers your question, but I, I feel really blessed to be in this profession because I'm, I get to be a spectator for amazing works of God's healing on a daily basis. And I get to see how God's able to work in the lives of people who are laying themselves bare before him and who are, have reached the end of themselves because I work with uh, black and brown people at Lawndale. Um, and a lot of black and brown people do not seek a doctor, a mental health professional, until they've done everything they could possibly do on their own. And so these are people who have, who have exhausted all of their own resources um, and all of their own strength and power and are ready to say what's next to either me or to God and to see people who are at that place and to see God step in there and see him work and also to be used in that place is, is really incredible. And that has been something that I've seen over and over again in, in practice. So when we are emotionally healthy or at least moving towards that, cause it's a journey, right? We're never, you know, going to get there. You all are professionals and you're still on this journey. We are all on this journey towards what does it mean to fully live into what God is calling us to and to, to reflect the fact that God created us as emotional beings. Um, but when we are moving in that direction, we're loving God well, we're loving ourselves well, we're loving our neighbors well, and we're loving this world that God created well. Um, so what does it practically look like to have a life that where faith and emotions are integrated with each other? One word that that comes to mind um, is flexibility, but grounded. It's not like you're wobbly and you'll just go any direction. Um, 
that, that comes along that you just go with the wind, but you are ready and nimble to answer God's call, whatever that looks like. Um, so there's a flexibility that, that's possible. Um, I think along with that, you acknowledge that it is a journey and it's not a place that anyone actually arrives and anyone who pretends to have arrived there is obviously lying. And so you can have a, a grace for yourself um, when you're there and you can forgive yourself and you can forgive others and you can acknowledge the parts of it that is entirely God's job and the parts of it that are your job and your um you're working toward being fully present because you're there as your whole self and you're able to experience joy and pain in the way that God intended both of them to be experienced because you're in touch with them and also because you are in a place where you um, can feel or are working toward feeling loved and accepted as your whole self. I think the word that comes up for me is discernment. Um, I think it allows, um, yeah, it allows discernment and, uh, and room for the Holy Spirit to speak and room for us to listen. Um, yeah. So as we, so as we kind of move towards um, closing today, what... Um, practical steps could you recommend for somebody who wants to continue or maybe even start this journey towards emotional health? It's really, it's really hard, I think, because oftentimes the people who you count on to help you understand yourself, in our, in our culture, we really don't honestly tell people, you need some help. Um, <laughs> in a way that they'll accept it or they'll understand what you mean. Um, but some signs, I think, of um, pursuing being different, because oftentimes we're very comfortable in our dysfunction, is noticing when you're feeling distressed, getting in touch with literally how your body feels and holds stress, and explore what is happening there is it getting in the way of relationships? Um, or is something getting in the way of you feeling open to relationships, uh, feeling open to vulnerability? Um, uh, are, are you, can you name your emotions? Are you aware of what that just felt like? Do, can you notice emotions in other people and respond to that? If, if those are, Though if you can't, then that gets in the way of what God might have you do. And so it's important to, to sort of be, to have a self-awareness in how you are relating to others and how they are relating to you, to really be able to understand what it means, what's happening. Yeah, I think um, similar to what you're saying, the learning the language of emotions, um, you know, and so even Googling feelings wheel and looking up a feelings wheel and starting to name, name your feelings and starting to acknowledge when you're feeling what, you know, and, and practicing, practicing that language um, is a great starting point. Sorry, like three are coming to mind, but the, the first one is journaling. Um, it's one that 
I really don't like doing. So I imagine there may be others who don't like doing it. Um, but if you're not a person who can free journal, they make journals with prompts that ask you questions, and those can be really helpful. Um, the second one is finding a, a trusted person, like someone in your life who you can talk to, and think of one thing that you struggle to express and take the risk of telling that person that you trust this thing about you and seeing their reaction, allowing them to be God in your life and to give you grace and acceptance through that thing. Um, the third thing is um, think about your anger, um, the things that make you angry. And when you feel that, ask yourself what's really beneath that. What am I really feeling in this moment? Um, is it that I'm sad? Is it that I'm lonely? Is it that I'm disappointed? Um, and kind of start there with unpacking um, anger, because like you said, it's, it's an emotion that is acceptable somehow um, to us as people. We are more willing and able to express anger than anything else, but it's the emotion that's the most likely to lie to us. So investigating the things under our anger. I, I just want to add, some people will say, well, I don't feel anything. And that is an emotion, that's numbness. That means it's too overwhelming to feel, so I'm shutting off of that part of myself. And so don't accept that any longer as okay, because we're always feeling something. We're always feeling not just one emotion, but we're feeling maybe a range of emotions in response to something. Um, and anger is usually the one that is permissible to show. And so that's what we're most in touch with. But if you could imagine, God is open to every single thing that we feel and experience. And he's listening. And so listen with him. What, is, what am I feeling right now? Because to say nothing is out of touch with actually what you really are experiencing. You've found a reason to hide it for yourself. And it's a strategy not to deal. Yeah, anger um, never travels alone. It always has a traveling buddy is what I love to, to um, share that makes me think of that. And, um, and I think, too, in starting the journey, especially if you're not used to creating that space um, for those emotions, it can feel very overwhelming. And so... Um, knowing that that's normal and allowing yourself to view it as um, I'm from Florida, so all my metaphors are are beach metaphors. So <laughs> allowing yourself to ride the wave of emotion um, and that riding the wave versus fighting against it, because fighting against it, you know, is is how you drown. And so riding the wave will will lead to deeper understanding and healing, even though it'll feel overwhelming at first. All right, well, um, thank you all very much um, for your insight and for your... Um... As we were preparing for this panel, um, unfortunately we had two others that were gonna join us today but couldn't. But amongst the five of them, the one thing that they insisted that we all do so we can be good practitioners of our own emotions was to actually have a response um, as part of this. 
So we're just going to do a simple hand raise. I'm going to ask a couple questions. Um, and this isn't, for, we're not counting, we're not trying to recruit, we're not trying to do anything. This is just for you to acknowledge in front of your peers and maybe for yourself um, about what might have been, um, um, what might have come up or maybe what the Holy Spirit is doing in this time. So I'm going to ask two questions and then we'll actually have a little bit of time um, if anybody has questions from the floor um, to ask our panelists. Um, there'll be some time for that. So who here was intrigued by something that was said um, here today and is interested in exploring it further, perhaps through our Emotionally Healthy Spirituality Bible study, perhaps in another way? But raise your hand if, if this is something that you want to explore further. It's good stuff. And then secondly, um, who felt something that you heard today really hit close to home and you want to take some more intentional time this week um, to explore that, either with yourself or in prayer or maybe with a friend, like was suggested. Okay. Thank you all for participating. <laughs>